webeshiva.org, Shir on Halacha and history, interesting things that developed over the course of history and how uh, Halacha dealt, dealt with it. So we began last week with a fascinating topic, which is one of the things that the world throughout history has come across our new species. So let me just get the chats open over here. Great. All right. So we had new species. We had new species. We had something, a brand new species called a turkey. And the big question, of course, was are turkeys kosher? Are turkeys not kosher? So there we go. So the story of the turkey, basically, as we showed last week, was a fascinating story of a complete misunderstanding slash mistake. I just want to just uh, quickly, quickly, quickly review what we spoke about last week. And today I want to talk about two other animals that had a um, uh, new introduction to the, into the new world and what happened over there. Let's go. So in short, what we showed last week was as follows. One day in the late 1400s, the Spaniards sailed towards India because India was a place where they had spices and special uh, other special plants and amazing wonders of the New World. They were trying to get to India, which India is located, as we know, if here's Spain on the left-hand side. India is over here, where I'm pointing to. Here is Mumbai. Okay, here is India. They try to sail towards India, as we know. I'll make it very short. We spoke about it more last week. And they, of course, hit the United States, to be more precise. They hit South of America. They hit, uh, they hit the American continent. And they bring back an interesting bird from there. And that bird is big and black, what we know today to be the turkey. It's got a number of strains. We're talking about the main one that was the, that uh, is, uh, what's it called? No, help me out. What's the word? Where they grow it? The, not cultivated, what's it called? The domest, domesticated it, okay? And they gave it over to the uh, main merchants of the Middle Ages, which happened to be in the middle of the world, known as the Turks. Okay, not Jeddah, no, no, take that picture, no, wrong one, in Turkey. So the Spaniards get to the New World, get the bird, give it over to the main uh main uh, merchants, no, which were the Turks, who spread it across Europe. Hence, the name of the bird became known as the turkey. It hits the rabbinical uh, authorities trying to figure out what this bird is. And at that time, America, India, were all the new world, no one really knew where was what, what is where. And there was a confusion, aside from the confusion of Columbus, who thought that the Native Americans were in, from India and they called them Indians. Besides for that, anything from the New World was considered to be from India. They thought it was from India and the rabbis sent messengers to the Jews in Iran or, or in Iraq and Babylon to speak to the Jews from Iran. Finally, after months, it makes it to the Jews in India and makes it back again that yes, they eat the big black bird. Uh, however, it appears that the big black bird of India happened to have been a different kind of chicken. It was not the turkey as we know it to be. So, why did they ask the Jews of India 
if they eat the turkey because birds have to have a mustard. We're going to see it again inside. I want to show you the Shulchan Aruch now too. I just want to just, just summarize once more. Birds, it's not just enough for them to have signs that they are kosher. Birds have to have a tradition. So the fact that the turkey looked kosher, had all the kosher signs was insufficient. They needed someone with the tradition. They thought by accident that the Jews of India had that as their chicken. It turns out they were wrong. Either way, it was accepted as a kosher bird for hundreds of years. By the time they figured out it was a mistake, the uh, rabbis decided that since it had all the signs of a kosher chicken, of a kosher bird to be more precise, it had all the signs of a kosher bird. And the hesitations require that require the tradition basically were not needed anymore because there were no more hesitations. It was obvious the bird was okay. What is that main hesitation? The biggest hesitation, again, we're going to see all this in the Gemara. I just want to tell the story first before we start hitting the Gemara. The biggest fear, which is actually said over here in the chats, the first thing, the main concern of a bird that makes it non-kosher, what's what what would define a main bird that is that is not kosher? What what comes to your mind of a non-kosher bird? Go ahead, unmute chat. If you think of the ultimate non-kosher bird, does the bird eat carrion or meat? If it's, it doesn't eat meat, then it's it's more less it's more likely to be kosher. If it, if it doesn't eat, eat if it doesn't eat other animals or other birds. Okay, now in your mind, what is the all the ultimate non-kosher non-kosher bird? Eagles, vultures. Eagles, classic. That's right. The first thing the Torah says is the nesher. So the Gemara will say exactly what you're saying, Brian. It will say, look, when we think of a, a non-kosher bird, we think of the eagle. The eagle, it's got very, very sharp claws. It, it, it attacks. It kills. Uh, and anything, and it also grabs off pieces of meat. Anything which is not an eagle basically should be okay, or the eagle and its family and some other such such birds. So it's a non-eagle. Now, the Gemara will tell the story, and then we're going to summarize everything. It's very important for me to, first of all, tell the story, but also then actually see it inside, but at least we'll know what we're seeing. So, Rabbi Geller? The, yeah, please. What about, what about the shape of the egg? The, the, the shape of an egg has to be oval and not round. Is that something that, that factors in with the chicken as well? Oh, for sure, for sure, 100%, 100%. Now, so the turkey fits the mold of being perfect, okay? But the Gemara will tell us a story. The Gemara will tell us a story of a bird that everyone thought was a kosher bird. And a bird was as relaxed as can be and domesticated and was not what's called in Hebrew an of dores. Of dores in English would be translated into a, uh, someone help me out of here, Google quickly, dores, a bird of like a vulture. What would that be? Uh, Is that a prey? prey? Bird of prey, thank you very much, yeah. So it was the ultimate non-bird of prey. One day after years that they thought this bird was not a bird of prey, they found this bird attacking and killing another animal or whatever it attacked and killed. And they were very, very shaken up. In retrospect, it turned out that they had eaten a non-kosher bird, and they decided that they would only go by tradition. So now what happened with the turkey is that since for over 100 to 200 years, perhaps, they realized that the turkey, this, again, this species or the subspecies of a turkey is 
not a bird of prey. They observed it for hundreds of years. They therefore said, look, it's got all the signs of being kosher. The reason we need a tradition is because we're not sure maybe it's a bird of prey. There's another reason too, which we'll talk about in a second. Turkey seems to fit the mold. It's not a bird of prey we have experienced and hundreds of years, very, very pious people have been eating the turkey, let it be. There's another reason also that we need the, uh, uh, yeah, and thank you very much. And Sarah, by the way, is adding over here, the Shlo did not, did not eat turkey, very good, right? So not everyone, not everyone agree with that. And Sarah, I'm gonna take you for a very interesting spin in a moment where there are people today who don't eat chickens, okay? In Amshinov, the Amshinov Rebbe does not eat chicken. And we'll see why in a moment. This is like, whoa, what a story. The world, I'm telling you, we talk about halacha dealing with history and development of the world. It's crazier than you think. I, I mean, like, I mean, like really crazy. <laughs> okay. So if we go by all the shitas, we will starve to death. So uh, it, it's fascinating how actually how, how halacha now deals with all, all the change in history. It, it's just, just unbelievable. So let's go for a second. So Turkey, again, is a bird that we say has all the signs. You mentioned beautifully before about the eggs too, correct? Everything fits. The Gemara says, oh no, we had an accident, a bird that we thought was not a bird of prey ended up being gets a bird of prey. Turkey, we know for hundreds of years, it's all fine, it fits, pies people ate it, just let it be. Great, wonderful. There's another interesting reason why we need a tradition in birds. You see the Torah, and again, we're going to see everything inside in a moment, okay? But again, I just want to summarize it before so we know what we're seeing inside. Now, the Gemara Torah says that there are a certain amount of birds that we do not eat. There's the Nesher, Ozniya, Ayah, Daya, and so on and so on. Not a very large amount of birds. It would appear that the overall majority of birds in the world are kosher. If the Torah mentions only, for the sake of our mind, I don't remember the exact number, we'll see it inside. But let's assume the Torah mentions 14, 14 birds, okay? So... That would mean 14 birds are not kosher. Torah doesn't mention what is kosher, just as these 14 know all the rest. Fine. So you, you would say, well, the overall majority are kosher. However, two problems. One is we have no idea what the species that we have today are called in Torah language. Nesher is the only one which is pretty obvious. Nesher is the eagle. Great. But all the others, if you Google them, they'll give you pictures. Are those the true birds that the Torah is talking about, not others, okay? So, um, yeah, yeah, and Naomi's no, 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 saying, very good, Naomi has a good question. Why the Torah name specific birds, not signs? Why were the signs given by the rabbis? Very, very good yeah. question. When you think yeah. about it, it's, with birds, I think it could be more, I guess not as confusing as fish, but because they fly, you don't really, it's hard, I mean, isn't it hard, harder to keep track of birds? Well, I don't know. I guess you could say that about all animals. So, so the Gemara, one of the ideas the Gemara brings, by the way, is that birds, the overall majority of birds are kosher. So the Gemara says, the Torah meant to say as follows, everything's kosher in birds except for these 14, or whatever the number is. Please forgive me on the exact number. We'll see it in a second. But except for these small amount of birds, everything else is kosher. And had we been living in the Torah times, it would have been very easy. Everything's kosher except for these. What's the problem? And it was, the Torah is trying to make our life easier versus looking for signs and everything else. These birds are not all the rest. Yes, that's one way of looking at the Gemara. But we have two problems. One is that we don't know what those birds are today anymore. So any bird you have, maybe that bird, maybe not a pelican. Uh, I don't know. Today we don't eat pelican, but 
you know, is it kosher or not? I don't know. And you have certain birds which today, by the way, fascinating. You have certain birds which today I tell you they're, you know, they're kosher. You say they're not kosher. And you're right today. They're not kosher. But believe it or not, those birds were eaten many, many, many years ago. So in different different communities, there was a great, great confusion as to name names of birds. Second topic is a toast vote already brings that there are species and then you have the subspecies and then he said if you go by the subspecies and sub sub subspecies by the time you finish the whole family of the animal you know the the uh, the bird families you may end up finding that the overall majority of birds are actually not kosher versus kosher now again we're talking about the terminology from the Torah time which makes it more difficult today's world and we're going to see that we're going to see that we're actually going to get to animals we're going to get to the Indian cow we're going to get to a lot of interesting things today where we're going to see that as science has developed and we actually are able to now identify what animal comes from where well why what species they're from what families they're from it definitely makes life substantially substantially easier so what I want to show you now first and foremost okay we're about to jump in the scenes follows I want to see the Gemara where the Gemara, first of all, says that unlike the animals and the fish, we have specific signs. In birds, there are no signs. Let's first see, actually see that in the Torah. Let's see that. Okay. Let's see the Gemara. The, first of all, the Torah. The Torah in Dvarim and also the uh, the Torah in, in Vayikra says the same. All right. Zehabema. Asher tochelu. These are the animals that you may eat. And there are signs, okay? The signs are two hooves, clefts in two, and and eats and chews its cud. Okay, those are animals. You might think it's simple. Haha, we're gonna see the Indian cow and see something interesting about that too. And let's go on. And says the Torah. Let's go on. All right. Right, fish we know, fish have signs, fins and scales. So far, so good. But when we get to birds, no sign. The Torah actually says to answer your question, by the way, uh, Naomi, the Torah says, eat all the birds. Note, before it starts saying the signs, it just says everything's okay except for, okay, we have Nesher, Paris, Ozniya, Ra'a, Aya, Daya, Orev, okay, Batayana, Tachmas, Shachaf, Netz, Kosian, Shuftin, Shamet, Kad, Vishalach, Okay, we have a nice list over here, but that's it. Was it 24, whatever the number is, but that's it. But that's it. So again, if you lived at that time, it was very, very, very simple. Okay, so the Torah just gives us a list of a list of birds. Let's go now. The Gemara comes along. Actually, to be more precise, the uh, Mishnah. The Mishnah comes along and says, the signs of the, uh, I'll put it here so you see the English too, but signs of uh, birds, not mentioned. But the rabbi said, let's make your life easier. We reviewed them. We actually found the common denominators. First of all, if it's a bird of prey, okay, anyone that claws its prey, it says, kol of hadores okay? So basically it says as follows, that, if uh, if a bird is a bird of prey, no good. Now, of course, there are very big arguments. What exactly is a bird of prey? How much how much prey tell is called prey? You know, all these things are 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 a little bit up in the air. And 
some things are very obvious, like the eagle, the vultures, those are obvious, but a lot of them in the middle, like not exactly clear. And we have now signs of kosher animals. Also, spoke the eggs is in a different place. And it says over here, kol lo yetira. Now, this is very, very interesting. You see, if you look at the um, the claws of uh, of a chicken, you see it has like a, a teeny weeny extra extra toe. Sometimes it's very, very, very small. You can barely even see it. But they noticed that in the chickens that we have today, the regular chickens, it's like a teeny wind. The claw is like an extra claw coming out, extra toes, so to say, and a little teeny weeny extra. That's called etzbayatira. Also, zefek, the kurk of a no. These are uh, because birds don't chew. They don't have teeth. And one of the reasons that is a scientific, as we mentioned last week also, it's scientific where if they would have a whole set of teeth and everything else, they would they would you know it wouldn't be that aerodynamic. So their their mouths are very very light. They swallow the food and they are able to crush it. They have what's called uh, the kurkevan and the zefek. We had that. What's that in English? Let's see over here. Here's the zefek over here. Let's see what that is in English over here. We did that last week too. The zefek. The zefek is the crop. Basically, it's it's a part in the uh, here digestive system is able to just basically crunch the food, basically serve, serves as as teeth. So if the uh, zephic over here, that's a part, it's a very part over here, where we were in the Gemara here, yeah. So cloth. In other words, that you're able to take it and it has like a membrane around it, you're able to peel it uh, easily, then that's a sign of a kosher of a kosher bird. If not, not. Rabbi says also, and this is a, this is used, we'll see in a moment, crucially used. Let's see what uh, he says, the translation here says, splits its feet when it stands on a string. So what that means is as follows. That if we were to have a string, and now the the bird now is trying to stand on on the string, if it puts one toe in back and all the rest in front, that that's okay. But if it splits it where it's two and two, that's that's where the problem is. That apparently they check, you know, how how eagles stand on strings, which is again the main criteria of a bird that's not kosher. And they saw how chickens are. Chickens, for the most part, will have one in back and all the rest in front. Okay, they'll grab, they'll grab the string, everything in front, and just have one in back. At which point, that is a sign of of kosher of kosher birds. So far, so good. So based on this gemara, based on this gemara, it would appear that we do have signs. If I would ask you after seeing the Torah, are most birds kosher? Yeah, everything's kosher except for a list, twenty-four birds, whatever number it is. And then if I would show you this Gemara, you'd say, well, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says to be more precise, that the Torah does not tell us the signs, but the rabbi sat down and they figured out these are the signs of, of kosher birds. So far, it doesn't say anything here at all about tradition. Where did the story of tradition begin? So let me show you. But Naomi's asking a good question. Can we do some non-kosher birds when there's in the Middle East? Um, you know something? Because the whole world at the a- time. They have to yeah, be able ahead. to identify, like they had to be able to identify when the Torah was given. So a bird in America, how could they, how, how, you know, how could God give them a list of birds that they could never see, you know? 
And that's the biggest issue with Turkey is that Turkey undoubtedly would have zero tradition because never was in this area at, at all, at all. So non-kosher, yeah. we saying no, we say something even, he's saying something really interesting. That they not, if we give the list of the non-kosher birds, we say all birds are kosher, non-kosher not, and these are the list. They must have known, yeah, it must have, they must have all been in the area, a hundred percent. All these birds were were in the area. They had to be. We say Middle East. We're talking about Middle Middle East. Talking about uh, you know Eastern uh, Europe. Oh, the whole area, the the ancient world was not that big. You know, stretched from the area of like you know like Middle Europe to here to. So even uh, even just Egypt or the desert where they would cut where they would you know yeah. cross and they'd have yeah. to see these birds. So. That, that's true. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So where in the world did the story of tradition begin? So it began with the story that we mentioned before. Hold on. Where was it? The story of the bird. They made the mistake with. Okay, yes, hold on. There we go. Mm -mm. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. And here's the, there we go. Wonderful. Okay. Okay. So here's the story. I'll read it in English. Okay. Abai said the swamp rooster is one of the eight uncertain cases. Okay. And Rapapa says the swamp rooster is forbidden, but the swamp hen is permitted. And a way to remember it is just, it, we don't mean rooster and hen, a male, female, it refers to different species. One was called the uh, swamp hen and the swamp rooster. Okay, it was two different species. Okay. And then why is the story not, here we go. Here we go. Dorosh Marimar, Ternigolta de Agma, Asira, the Chicken of the of the of the swamp is forbidden. Why? Khazia de Darsa. They actually caught that it darsa means that it uh, basically uh, preyed on another animal. Okay, here we go. Here we go. The swamp is forbidden because the sages saw that it claws its prey. In other words, what happened was they saw that it actually was a bird of prey. They first they thought that hey, it was okay. And they said like whoops the daisy, this bird was actually a bird of prey. They caught it. They never would have noticed because all the signs were signs of a bird which is kosher. And let's see now Rashi. Kazuha the Darsavakla. Okay, they saw that it actually uh clawed on it clawed away and then and then it ate again it's a t way of eating by clawing and grabbing the meat and eating it it's a, it's a way way of eating which uh, is a sign of a non of a non-kosher bird okay vainu uh and says rashi because the gemara here talks about a bird where a mistake was made it appeared like it was kosher all the signs kosher until accidentally someone saw it and realized that it wasn't. 
says Rashi, Metoch she'ein anu bekiim, because we are not uh, well versed in the birds. Near Eli, the Of Habalafanenu, when a new when a bird comes before us, Yesh Lomar, we're afraid. We're afraid that it might be a bird of prey, even though it looks fine. But maybe the Gemara said over here, the story, two chickens, they, they were cousins of each other, and one was fine and one was not. They both looked fine, and they caught it by accident. One of them, when they didn't notice, was actually praying and grabbed a chunk of meat. And the ha ha tarnagolta the agma. Look at Rashi explains this Gemara, and it's a scary Gemara. He says, the Tarnagolta the Agma, the uh, the swamp hen. The Gemara just says, if you saw the translation before, it looks nothing. Oh, they saw the swamp hen, they saw that it claws and said it's not kosher. Rashi said, it's not the story at all. The swamp hen, Hayumachzikin Betohora. They held that it was kosher and they ate it. And they ate it. And after a while, they observed Rauha. And therefore, because of this Gemara, says Rashi, we will not eat a bird, only with tradition. And a bird, only that our, our forefathers gave us that in tradition that, that it's kosher. Yes, Lachush, that they did not send us. Rashi says it's not kosher. He does not say that it's not kosher. He said we must suspect and fear that maybe it is a problem. But if there's a tradition, we have no problem whatsoever. So, based on this, feel free to unmute yourself. Why is the turkey kosher? Let's go. We said it before, but let's just summarize it. Why is the turkey kosher? All the Echsherim today, including the most stringent of them all, yes, there are those who will not, but 99.9999, all the, all the, all the, all the Echsherim will all permit Turkey. Why? Based on this Rashi. Let's go. We said it before. Ah, Naomi said, why did I put it in the cage to pray and see what it does? That's exactly the story, Naomi. They did, and it was fine, and it was 100% fine. They caught it years later, years later. They caught by accident when they weren't looking. Maybe it was in the wild or something like that. That's when it happened. That's really what scared them. Okay? So based on this, the turkey. Does a turkey have signs of a kosher bird? Yes or no? Has the signs of a kosher bird? Yes. Yes. What is the problem? We're afraid, like the Gemara, this is the origin. We need tradition. Is this Rashi? We just saw the origin with our own eyes. And even Rashi doesn't say that it's not kosher. He just says we're afraid, right? And now we have the turkey now for hundreds of years. We're no longer afraid that uh, it's a bird of prey. Again, this specific uh, version of the turkey, this uh, this species. There are others that are problem, and this is why the turkey is kosher. Well, so this solves the problem with the turkey. But are we ready now to share why in Amshinov? Uh, the the, the Amshan of Rebbe will not eat chicken. Huh, that is very, very interesting. So uh, why do we yes eat chicken? Based on what we saw right now, why are chickens okay? Let's go. Why are chickens okay? Can we eat a chicken? Yes, we can. Why? Why? Let's go. Two reasons. Anyone? 
It has other signs. The, 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 the shape of the egg is the appropriate thing. And right. it doesn't, it doesn't uh, eat prey. It eats uh, grains. Beautiful. And based on the uh, other criteria now, because the mishap we have with the bird in the, the swamp hen, and Rashi says we need tradition. No, how can we how can we eat chickens? Do we have a tradition on chickens? Chickens, chickens you had in Europe. Didn't you have chickens in Yes? Chickens you had in Europe. Chickens you had in the time of the Beit HaMikdash. Chickens you had all the time. Chickens have been around the whole time. So chickens in theory are not a problem. In theory, 100% in theory. The chickens we have today, um, are they real? Talk about history for a second. One second. Are the chickens that we have today 100% native, naturally born um, chickens? I mean, they're born naturally, of course. But are they the native chickens that existed in the world thousands of years ago? Are they the same chickens? No, they've changed. Ah, very good. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lynn. How have they changed? You're right. 100% right. Well, just like the turkeys have changed. We've got the heritage turkeys and other kinds. It just over the years, uh, yes. domestic breeding and other things have made changes. Beautiful, Lynn. 100% right. So one second, one second. The chicken that we all knew when our forefathers ate, by the way, the Chazan Ish writes, it's not just enough to say it has a tradition. It's got to be tradition of People that know no halakha, know everything, so it's got to be a respectable community. They ate a certain kind of chicken. I assure you, your great, 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 great grandparents, they're not even chickens we have today. Chickens we have today are basically a breed between different versions of chicken. That's that's a huge issue. Uh, also today, in um, the modern chicken coops, they have a need to produce chickens that have very, very short legs. Have uh, the chicken has to be basically uh, genetically programmed as such. It's got to be fat. It's got to have a lot of meat on it. Short legs. It's got to have minimal amount of uh, of feathers. And it's got to eat relatively little. And of course, the meat itself has to be a soft meat. So, in the last. 30 years, tremendous advancements have been made to create the ultimate uh, ultimate chicken. Now, these chickens are made with a lot of uh, genetic engineering. And one day, about 30 some years ago, someone wakes up and says, one second, the chicken that we have today is genetically engineered. It may have been mixed with genes from other chickens, other species, perhaps, that are not kosher. And you may say, well, one second. So you mix it with other chickens. So what? Aren't all chickens kosher? So what happened was, is tens of years ago, they went around. Rabbi Wozner goes around, one of the big, big post game here in Israel. And they're looking for a natural chicken. And they come across a chicken which uh, grew at the time in Belgium. And let me see if I could find it over here. I want a picture of it. It's the Brackle chicken. Brackle chicken. Hold on a second. Well, here's here we go. Here we go. And they find in Belgium 
they find the Brakel chicken. Now, has anyone ever seen chickens that we eat today? Uh, they don't exactly look like this. The chickens that we have today are all white. And here begins a great, great, great controversy. Some hosts can go along and they say, one second, the Brakel chicken is actually the original chicken. Look at it. It's got the colors of a chicken. It's not white like we have today. The white is not natural. This looks like a natural chicken. Others say, well, one second, you're really going to a farm in Belgium and you're really trusting that they say it's a native chicken and they claim they actually have traditions. God knows how they have them. They claim this has been uh, raised exactly as is for the last hundreds of years. As he's saying Yiddish, either yes or no, who knows? So they decided to put the Brakel chicken to the test. And is it over here? There we go. Okay. So they will screen this. There we go. They put the Brakel chicken to the test. Okay. This is an actual video. It was actually done. Let me see if I can grab uh Okay. And they put it on the rod. Remember we saw in the mission over there that it said that if it, if it grabs it with one toe behind and the rest in front, then it's fine. But if they, if it grabs it like half, half, then it's not. They put the brachial chicken on a rod. And of course on a, on a thick rod, it doesn't count because it has to split it like two here and two there because it's a very, very thick uh, rod. The question really is on a string, like someone here said before in the chat, in a string, that's more correct. Well, the Brickle chicken, just to confuse everybody, decided to have one foot split and the other not. Translation, it was impossible to tell. Impossible to tell. Okay, by the way, it's a very violent chicken. It's huge in size. Uh, it's meat, by the way, is not that comfortable. I mean, not comfortable. It's not soft. I'm trying to find a picture where they're actually holding it. He's holding it in his hands. Okay, it's a pretty, oh, it wants to even flaps its wings. Hold on a second. Here we go. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty strong, uh, strong bird. Now, when the Omi saying the Christian was most confused, it's exactly what's going on here in the shear. What the rabbi said, you have to realize that the behavior of the bird, just like we saw in the Gemara, and just like the beautiful question asked over here, why don't you just put it into a cage? The behavior of birds when they're, when they're confused, when they're scared, when they're in an environment with so many people around them, is a different behavior than when they're just all alone and more relaxed. So it's very, 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 very hard to figure it out. So the summary at the end of the day regarding the Brakel chicken was that some rabbis were excited about it and they said this is the most kosher chicken possible because it is not bred, it is not genetically engineered, it is a chicken that is natural this is the one we have the tradition on and they're very happy with it other rabbis went along rabbi sternbuch one of the uh, chief poskim for the edah haradit in yerushalayim said i'm unhappy the way the brakel chicken grabs the rod one foot is split the other one not ouch i don't like it i'd rather not use it 
So comes along the Amshan of a Rebbe and says, one second, I accept both sides. The Brekel chicken, I accept Rabbi Sternbuch, who says, I don't firmly believe this is the original chicken that was eaten throughout the generations. It's too big. It's too wild. Something about it is just, I don't know, not, not domesticated enough. It's ugh, a little wild. Don't forget turkeys also, like someone here mentioned before, right? You mentioned before that turkeys have certain uh, species that, are, that are, are not kosher. Or not accepted to be kosher, to be more precise. And, and that actually, the whole story of the Brakel chicken now shed light on the regular chickens that we have today that are all genetically engineered. At which point, uh, stop eating chickens completely. So that again, let's just summarize back again to uh, to the Torah just one more time. Then I want to go on to the Zebu ox. Okay, so again, the Torah says that as a list of birds, we're summarizing right now. A list of birds that are not kosher, and Torah says all the rest you can eat. Everything's kosher. Kol tipor, Torah all. You may eat any pure bird. It appears to be that's the majority. The problem is that even though it's a small amount, we don't know exactly what those birds are today. Maybe they're a subspecies. That's one issue. Uh, it's hard for us to identify it exactly. We found the Gemara, and the Gemara says that there are a number of signs that the Korkavan or whatever is able to be easy to peel and also talks about that it's not a bird of prey, which again, the Gemara has, and the Rishonim discuss what exactly is prey. How does it, it grab, like uh, Brian brought a beautiful idea, you know, it grabs, grabs the meat, pulls the meat, whatever, that, that's definitely, it's brought down there. What about other elements? And last but not least, we saw about splitting its uh, its claws when it's uh, sitting on, on a string, on a, on, a, on a branch. And we saw that Rashi says that there was an actual mistake that happened, and therefore we go by tradition. And now we come to, now last but not least, to our modern day, the year 2023. Now when we have breeds, we also were realizing that, hey, maybe it was crossbreeding over here. Do we actually know what we have has the tradition? Uh, having said all that, Lamaisa, at the end of the day, chickens are kosher because, because they have all the signs of a kosher bird and they're not birds of prey. We have that experience with them. And also there are a lot of opinions that says that even if you even if you crossbreed and even if you're you're genetically engineering, you're not you're not taking from species that are not kosher. You perhaps are enhancing certain elements of of the birds, but you're not really taking uh, an eagle and crossing it with a bird. That's not going on there at, at all. So even in the whole topic of genetic engineering, the whole discussion of what exactly it is and what it does in and of itself is, is also a huge argument, huge discussion. Uh, Lynn is saying, very was a species that is kosher, should remain kosher, should remain color variety beyond white. Um, yeah, uh, Lynn, we're just saying that today, one of the issues is that if you ever go to a chicken coop today, you'll see that all the chickens are white for the most part, which again is very, very much not natural. That's, you know, a lot of chickens looking pictures of chickens from the olden days i mean they were definitely in different colors but the end, the end of the day the bottom line is let's not leave everyone here up in the air chickens are kosher 100 percent kosher turkeys are kosher latin the kosher why are they kosher they have all the signs of a kosher species even though there's a lot of genetic engineering first of all a lot of it they just say just basically enhances elements and and uh, we talk about the fact that they have all, all, the, all the signs of the kosher birds. We know they're not birds of prey. 
And uh, let's see, many farms pasture raising a variety of brown ones. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. You should know, Lynn, just as an example. We just saw here the Brakel chicken. The Brakel chicken is raised in farms in Belgium and is not used by any of the Hsherims. Very interesting, right across the board. There are chickens, believe it or not, that are not eaten today. An actual chicken. I'll bet you didn't know that because I did not know that either till you know, <laughs> learning the material. There are actual chickens today that are not accepted by any of the hexers. Believe it or not, if it's a chicken which is um, uh, bigger and more wild and, and, and the claws are different, it looks different, then uh, they get nervous. I mean, there are, there are species out there of pretty, pretty wild chickens. It's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And that brings us but at the end of the day, the regular chickens we have today are fine, accepted by everybody. And that one brings us now to the Zebu cow. Okay. The Zebu cow, where's our... By the way, if you ever want, I may, I'll, I'll post this all also on the, on, on, the, on the source sheets. You can read all about the Breckel controversy. It's actually quite, quite, quite fascinating. All right. Turkey, we saw where is our Brickle chicken? We saw where's our Zebu? There we go. Wonderful. All right. We have our Zebu ox. And not the one I want. Where is it? Yeah. Let's go now to the. Okay. Anyway, in the year 1950, 1950 is a better picture of the Zebu cow. Hold on, it's got to be a better picture of it. This is it. No. Also not. Also not. And also not. Also not. Also not. Also not. Also not. Is it this? No. Rackle. Where is it? It's Zebu cow. All right, maybe it's this one. Yeah, I think here we have a picture of it. Come on, let's find our Zebu. Oh, it's got to be here somewhere. Here we go. All right, here is our Zebu cow. Wonderful. So the story goes that in the year 1950, yeah, and Lynn said, to me, you trust the chickens. Again, 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 again. Let me just summarize. In any community today, today we don't really have such an issue because everything we have today all comes with with, uh, with the kosher stamp in it. Anything which is a natural, normal chicken is fine. All right. Again, I just wanted to point out that the Brakel chicken and the, some other wild chickens that are interesting, interesting, questionable. Does not mean they're not kosher. I want to stress. Does not mean they're not kosher. It just means they're a little bit up in the air. Even the Brickle chicken itself, like we mentioned, no one checks it, but you have quite a few opinions which say it's it's even not even not only is it good, it's better than the other chickens too. Chickens are fine. Don't leave the shear saying chickens are problematic. Chickens are fine. Turkey is fine. Let's go. Now we find this uh, cow, which is called the Zebu cow. Now it happens to grow in um, its native to India, very, very hot countries in India, by the way, this is the famous holy cow of India. It is 
very, very accustomed to living in very, very hot weather. You have it also uh, in South South Africa. You have it in South America. It's got a lot of uh, fat in front, very shabby. It's able somehow it's able to work better with with the weather. Its ears are shaggy. It definitely it's got it's got a gray color to it. it doesn't look like your your average regular cow. So. 1950, they figured they'd bring it to Israel because Israel is a hot climate. This cow would fit perfectly into the Israeli climate. And the Chazon Ish, one of the greatest postkim who lived in Israel at the time, was very, very hesitant about, about this cow. It looks different than the cows that we have today. Um, it has all the signs of a kosher cow. So you might say, well, just one second. So where where exactly is the problem? At the end of the day, they decided against it. Rabbi Herzog, the chief rabbi of Israel, was in favor. Chazanish at the time was against it. Today, at the end of the day, almost everyone eats uh, zebu, but no one eats zebu at the same time. What in the world are we talking about? So I'll share with you. We have a short amount of minutes. Let's show you something really, really interesting. The Gemara basically says straight out in animals, in mammals, we go by the signs, right? If it chooses cuts, split, split hooves, those are the signs. That that is the sign. Giraffes, kosher. A lot of animals, kosher. So, what would the problem be? This animal fits all the signs. Looks like a cow. Smells like a cow. Has all the signs of a cow. Okay, so yeah, true. It does does look different. Does look different. But why would that be a problem? So let's see over here. The Shulchan Aruch says as follows. A second. Not what I want over here. Oh, and I, well, I'll show you here. The Shulchan Aruch I have over here just says that the Shulchan Aruch actually paskins like Rashi that you need tradition in birds. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for here. Wonderful. Okay. Okay, great. So, the Shulchan Aruch says that an animal has signs. You have, a, you have a mammal. You have two kind of mammals. You have domesticated mammals, like cows, and you have non-domesticated animals, for example, deer. All right? Those are both mammals. They have different halachot. They're both kosher. In one of them, you must cover the blood when you shecht it, and in the uh, and in that's in the in the in the that's in the in the mammals you you do not, okay? Uh, deer do require kisuyadam. You have to cover the blood in mammals and cows. You do not, and also the hell of certain fats in mammals cannot be eaten, but in deer and they in wild wild uh, wild animals they they can. There's a whole discussion on how you differentiate one one from another. Anyway, to make a long story short, the shach comes along and the shach says that we need, the shach should be over here, here we go, okay? The shach says that even though the Shulchan Aruch and the Gemara says that there are specific signs for kosher animals, mammals, says the shach, just like the birds, 
Therefore, I'm not going to elaborate. Says the Shach, I'm not going to elaborate on what all these signs are, because even in mammals, we require a tradition. This threw a lot of the poskim for a loop. The Shach says that even in mammals, you need tradition. Well, any Americans here in the in the group? Give me an, a mammal that did not exist at all in Europe, at all, native to America. It's a big fat cow. A buffalo. A buffalo. Any tradition on a buffalo? No, no tradition on the buffalo. Is a buffalo kosher? Oh, ho, massive question. According to the Shulchan Aruch and the Gemara, yes. But now we discover new animals, the buffalo, no tradition in it. And the Shachs we need tradition. The Primegadim, again, one of the more prominent uh, poskim on the Shulchan Aruch, comes along and he says, I completely disagree with you. He says over here, um, here the Shach says that you need a tradition. He goes, you do not need a tradition. He vehemently opposes what what the shah what the shah says. Let's see if I could find the V here. Here we go. Ayin shah the The shah says that today you only eat what's in the tradition. But he says, he says the reason is because again the famous story of Rashi in the of the chicken in the in the swamp that at first they thought it was fine and then not. He says that's only in the case. Of birds where we don't have exact signs, but over here in the case of Hayabema, we have signs, the chewing of the cud, the split hooves. He goes, absolutely not. We do not need the tradition. We know it's a hundred percent, it's a hundred percent fine. Now, at the end of the day, this argument over here, the Prima Gadim and the Shach, is not a very, very simple argument. You have the you have the uh, Chochmat Adam and many, many other very, very prominent poskim who are very, very nervous to just go and just kosher any animal. Nomi's mentioning the giraffe, same story. We have zero tradition in eating the giraffe. It's got all the proper signs. Will anyone today eat a giraffe besides the fact that it's an endangered species and so on and so on? Anything which did not have a tradition, we do not eat. There's a group of people, by the way, that uh, go and they actually shecht very rare animals non-endangered species, have no fear, just to keep the tradition going. Just a sign of kosher fish, regardless of tradition. Uh, interesting, Lynn, yeah, but again, fish, that's, that, 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 that's very true. So in animals, again, there was a fear. Now, the Chazonish also said that he says he fears trusting an animal without tradition. And here in our two minutes left, I just want to share with you that this argument is a lot more severe than you think. You might tell yourself, okay, so we won't eat the zebu, we won't eat the buffaloes. So what? Big deal. The answer is that it's a very, very, very big deal because, and let me get the picture. Here we go. Okay. So on the right-hand side is our zebu. On the top left is the milk cow. On the very bottom is the cow that everyone today I think the Brangus, it's called. The Brangus cow, which is used today as the main cow for meat. Does anything look interesting about the Brangus cow? You notice anything interesting about it? It has a bit of a hump. Ah, that's right. Very good, Sarah. It happens to actually be a breed, a crossbreeding with the Zebu. 
So if you actually go and you see on Wikipedia, you see, I just want to show you this one thing. And with this, no, where is it? Where is Wikipedia when you need it? Whatever, I can't find it right now. But anyway, so at the end of the day, the Zebu cow, I can't believe I can't find it, it's ridiculous. Okay, so what ends up happening is that you find that you have crossbreeds and crossbreeds and crossbreeds and crossbreeds. So today, basically speaking, almost a lot of the cows in the United States of America have the Zebu bred into them. It's, it, it's able to sustain itself, again, in hot temperatures. So the rabbis got together and they said, one second, one second, one second. First of all, the postgame that say, and give me just one minute and we're done. A lot of the postgames say that as long as it's got the signs, it's enough. We're not worried about tradition. Even those that say we're worried about tradition, they say, well, a lot of them say that tradition has to do with the fact that we're not sure, not if it's kosher or not kosher, we're not sure if it's called a wild animal or, or, or a domesticated animal. The question is, are the fats permitted, or we have to do kisuya dam? So we'll just be more stringent, and we'll treat it, and we will, we won't eat the fats, just like we don't eat certain fats in the cow. We won't eat the fats over here, and uh, we'll cover the blood. It's not the end of the world. But then, and something happens in the year 2000, 2000 something, and that's when the CRC comes in, the Conscious of Chicago, and also of uh, of uh, Toronto, and they say as follows. Same thing to the turkeys, and with this we end, okay? Remember the turkeys at the end of the day, they said it's okay because after hundreds of years, they realized that it's not a bird of prey. It actually fits all the criteria. They go, well, what was the, what's the big fear of the tradition? The fear is that maybe it's not a kosher animal, maybe, or some say it was a question of it's wild or not wild. Some say the argument was it's kosher or not kosher. The actual fact that today, the Brengus cow happens to be bred from, uh, actually it's two breeds, and one of the breeds that it's from is originally from the Zebu. So it's actually sort of like a, a semi-semi-breed. semi, semi, semi The rule of thumb says the Gemara that a non-kosher animal cannot be bred with a kosher animal. In other words, if, if animals can breed between each other, they must be the same, uh, the same, same species. And therefore, since, over the last uh, tens of years, the species we have today are basically 10%, uh, 20% Zebu. It actually proves that the Zebu is a kosher species. So the psak of the CRC and the psak of the Toronto kashras and the psak of basically kashriot around the world are as follows. One, a lot of commentaries say that you don't need a tradition in mammals. Number two, even if you do, it's arguable what you need the tradition for. And uh, maybe just you need the tradition to make sure that you, you don't eat the fats so or the halacha is like a domestic animal. So we can just mock me that and we're fine. Just be stringent. And even if we say it's a problem over the course of the last who knows how many years that it's been bred, it actually proves that this actually now is from the course of species. So the problem that Chazun Ish had and the other commentaries had, they just didn't know historically like the story of the bird in the swamp where they just didn't know they were scared of being uh, of permitting something. Who knows? Maybe we'll find that in 10, 20, 30, 40 years that it's not a kosher species. Today, as time went on, also in the Turkey and also in the Zebo, as so much time has gone by and they realize that all the all the uh, fears uh, were not there, they everyone 100% koshered the uh, Zebo and all the breeds. Now in Buffalo too, 
buffalo they have in America at this moment, just to end. Lynn, what you're saying is the buffalo is kosher, that today there's no, uh, buffalo meat is not eaten straight buffalo. They have something like a buffalo cow. It's like a crossbreed. And that in and of itself proves that the fact that buffalo breeds with the cow, that actually, that again proves that the buffalo itself is kosher. And that's how they were able to really be matir, the buffalo. This is what we should know. Completely fascinating. Let's see. We show the sign of the Right. Now, yeah. Okay. So kosher, kosher and not kosher versus clean and not clean. They all are from God. 100% lint. Okay. So somebody said, hey, sure, in one line, we saw that the Torah gives us uh, guides. The Gemara, the Mishnah gives us guides. We saw that as history went by, new things developed. And we saw that there were certain fears. And as time went on, Today, when we actually realize that we're in an interesting predicament, we're actually under, able to understand what those issues were, and we're able to solve them today. And that's how we were mat here, the modern cow, okay, which we use for 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 meat, able to, to kosher the, the zebo, especially today it's a it's crossbred, and that's also able to kosher the turkey. So that summarizes uh, kosher's and animals throughout history. And Bezvat Hashem, next year. A new topic of new things that Halacha uh, encountered throughout history and how it dealt with it. So, thank you very much, everyone. Thanks. Uh, I wanted to ask yes. you a question if you have to. Um, so, with the turkey that you said that there's some that are not kosher. Um, yes. So, would right, that be more a... precise? Those that are not, yeah, those those, those are not defined kosher, right? So, okay, because uh, I always, I don't know, first I thought that like the way that the Torah defines it is like, it says a, a, the bird, but then all the species would fit into the categories. If it says a sort of, like an owl is not culture, it would be like all kinds of owls. Hey, shalom to everyone. So, your question is good. And the, the, the answer would be that it, it's not clear that what we consider today, today to be different mm -hmm. species of turkeys are really all the same turkey. Okay. In other words, that would be very, okay. like, once you have a species that we know is kosher, all the subspecies would be kosher too. That's very, very true. Oh, very, and very then true. I guess uh, so. It makes a lot of sense to me from that we could just like maybe breed them together and see if it's if it comes if if they could if they can have offspring that can uh, propagate itself. Hundred so percent like true, Nami. Hundred percent true, and that's exactly what happened. What you're saying is true. That that we wouldn't do that. In other words, you wouldn't go along and say, you know what? Let's experiment. Let's find yeah. the species. But since the world mm -hmm. did experiment, we now we're looking back fifty years later. We can say, hey, the world experimented and hey, it worked. Uh -huh. So now we're able to reach. So, so it really worked out perfectly because 50 years ago, we had the, the natural cows, everything was fine. And mm -hmm. now, as it starts crossbreeding, so as the problem erupts and they realize the problem is a lot worse than they thought, they go, one second, one second. Even our regular cows today, they also have little zebu inside of them. Boom. You know, they say, ah, but it's okay because it's been crossbred, at which point it's okay. So the the world, that's what the whole shear is about. Like, you see, history and halacha work very, very, very much together. If we understand what was bothering the chazanish, what was bothering the rabbis in the story over there in the Gemara, we see that those problems eventually resolve themselves, at which point we understand that it's okay, even though there's no that's tradition. We could maybe so a monkey wrench into your works. I'm sorry? The work that the birds are bred today. They cannot breed naturally if done by artificial insemination. Well, the bird, the birds today with the whole, there's a, a really amazing discussion about whole uh, genetic engineering today. Is it really, again, is it really altering the birds at all? 
it, it's the same bird. So you just, you know, you're strengthening certain parts and others oh. not. This is even, is it even called crossbreeding? I, if you look in the, you look in the posting to talk about it, they, they start, they work with the scientists, you know, so the, the birds, I'm, the birds I'm just today, they, they claim it's not crossbreeding. Yeah. When you're talking about whether they can breed together or not, you mm -hmm. also have to know who you're trusting it to, because like I said, these birds don't breed naturally anymore. Like oh, oh, oh that, that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, okay. that, that's 100% right. One of my field trips on Yabney, we were doing the artificial insemination. Now, you should know, you should know when the, when the Shulchan Aruch talks about and the Gemara talks about too, it says you can try, you have to trust traditions. You want to trust someone who's a rabbi and a hunter. A hunter, it meant in those mm -hmm. days, hunter slash zoologist slash whatever. So it's not just that someone is well learned. It's not just someone knows zoology. You need someone who really knows both both those worlds to really, 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 really know what's going on. So to such an extent, when they came to the Chazonish and they, they said to the Chazonish, but look, how can you say the Zebu is a problem? You have uh, communities that eat the Zebus. The Chazonish said, I want to know one thing. Do those communities of people who just eat the Zebu, are those people well learned? Are they zoologists and well versed in Torah? If the answer is they have both, they're, you know, well-versed power zoologist, then I have no problem. But, you know, just things happening without people actually understanding how, how it works and so on, you're right. It's it's very, very, very problematic. Does anyone say and talk about this have a safe week, Rabbi. Thank you. You too. Okay. You too. This, this is one last question. Does anyone talk sure, about, sure, like, sure. the number of chromosomes that, the, that it has? Because, it like, what I learned from biology, I remember that if it's different kind of chromosomes, it's a different species. Uh, it's actually a discussion of how much of how you work with percentages. It, your, your question is not good. It's outstanding. And a lot, a lot, a lot of questions and discussions. You see, you see this in the post game. Uh, what if you have something which is like 80% this and only 20% that? What, 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 what do you call it? These are very, very, very big questions. Very big questions. And okay. usually you'll see that any species like we brought the debrakel chicken, even though a lot of tendencies are a strong tendency to say it's okay, you see if they're, if they're hesitant, they just say, you know what, we have enough species that are kosher, let's, let's, let's leave it alone. So... Overall, overall, by the way, your question is not just in kosher, not kosher, but let's take if, uh, if an animal is domesticated, not domesticated. For We mentioned there's two differences. Do you have to cover the blood when you shecht it? And can you eat certain fats? What if you crossbreed domesticated, domesticated not? Uh, yeah. So, Lenny, say, say a prohibition, that's true, but what if it wasn't done by, by you know, people who have the prohibition? For like, example, it's completely different. Do you know that all pairs today crossbred again not like animals but it actually cross uh there's not a single pair today that a single one that's over over exaggerating but the pairs we eat today are basically um cross between uh pairs and other other uh species that are actually it makes the plant forbidden the halacha is we're allowed to eat the fruit but we're not allowed to actually graft it and we're not allowed to Crossbreed or whatever terminology there is, and if you owned a pear tree, you were you would not be allowed to actually water it because you can't keep such a plant uh, such a plant alive. So it's fascinating. So again, certain things happen in the world that is not done by people who are required. Yes, 
but we can eat with elders breed. That, 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 that's a that's a hundred percent right. So there's all these questions are what happens if you crossbreed, uh, for example, a deer for the sake of argument, let's say deer, deer and cow somehow, or 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 animals that domesticate or deer perhaps and, and sheep, right? Over there, what would it be? Would it be domesticated, not domesticated? What luckless would you have? So the same questions you bring over here, the chromosomes and everything else, the same question apply over there as well. How do we count it? And these are very, 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 very big questions. It's not like, oh, there's a simple answer. No, there are no simple answers. So what's interesting again is today in the world today, the, 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 you see the CRC, I'll, I'll post it. You, you really have to see it. There's a whole little video. The CRC and the Toronto Asher in America, they realize that if we can't solve the Zebo issue, we can't eat meat, period, <laughs> because it's all Zebo bread. But that problem became actually the answer. Oh, it's Zebo bread, at which point it's got all the signs, got everything else. The the effect, the issues that we realized that were causing the rabbis to to be nervous about the Zebo actually have been resolved uh, throughout throughout history. At which point it's okay. But, and uh, they grow yeah. in the laboratory that will eliminate all the questions, right? When they start growing meat in the laboratory. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that's a fascinating topic in and of itself about laboratory meat. You yeah. know, yeah. Rabbi Lau, for example, claims even done from a non-kosher animal. It's 100% fine. We don't call that meat. It's called the chemicals. It's chemicals. Yeah. It's not meat. You know, it's uh, those are actually very, very interesting topics. <laughs> you know, yeah. but uh, the beauty is when, when you see halacha, that's really, really what excites me about, about this topic is when it's not just halacha says, oh, what does halacha say? Okay or not okay? We, we see from the Gemara where it began, began from the Pesukim in the Torah, the Gemara. What was bothering them? What were the issues? What were they troubled by, right? And then you take that to what's happening today and how science and history and everything else all starts working together. You go, okay, now I understand how the whole matrix actually actually works. So yeah, and uh, the new the new kind of meats are it's definitely a interesting topic. There's there's already a machloket which proves that it's uh, it must be some Jews must have been involved. If there's a whenever there's two Jews, there's always three opinions. How does that go? So there's already an argument about it. So. Hashem. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Thank right, you. So Thank eat you so chickens. Much. It, it, it's fun to know that we eat chickens as long as we know that there's some people who don't eat chickens and we eat turkeys. We know some don't. You know, uh, it, it, it's just important to know where, what, why, how the whole thing, you know, began, where it's coming from, and, and so on. But anyway, very good. So, Shavuotov, everyone. Thank you, Rabbi. And it's 100% kosher. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. Thank you.